Welcome to Oncopharm, the number one oncology pharmacy podcast in the eastern time zone in the state of Tennessee. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm an associate professor of pharmacy practice, and I'm recording this here at the end of June uh, in my office in Mountain Home, Tennessee, on the VA campus of East Tennessee State University's College of Pharmacy. Today, I'm happy to bring you, uh, I guess it's the second of our Ask Oncopharm uh, series or anthology. Uh, received an email from a PGY1 resident who will be completing a, or who has now completed uh, his PGY1 residency. He's going on to do a PGY2 oncology residency. And I have two former students who are in the same boat who will be starting PGY2s uh, probably on June 1st, um, give or take a, a day. Um, so I wanted, uh, you know, maybe to make this uh, this a podcast since we are turning the calendar in the states on the uh, on the academic year um, and fiscal year of 2018-2019 to 2019-20. Uh, so just for those of you who don't know, um, a postgraduate year one residency is something uh, pharmacy graduates in the United States can do to get additional training. Uh, the residency is paid. Um, you guys are probably familiar with that, and then you can do a postgraduate year two or PGY two, what used to be called a specialty residency, and that, that was my path to being an oncology pharmacist was PGY one, followed by PGY two oncology, and I would say uh, the t- quote target audience of the podcast would be folks who are uh, maybe in the middle of their PGY two oncology training, uh, folks who are interested in oncology. Uh, or folks, um, you know, I've heard from many people who have found their way into oncology without doing uh, maybe uh, dedicated oncology training either in pharmacy school or as a postgraduate. Uh, so what I'm going to give here, this advice is going to be kind of specific to that PGY2, that year of dedicated oncology training here in the States. And it may be applicable to some of you overseas um, and maybe some of you uh, working in oncology who, who haven't had that specialty, on, uh, specialty oncology residency training. So I'm going to try and make this general, but really this is focused uh, more on those folks. And, and to get things started, I'll focus on uh, what are some of the resources that you should have uh, available. Uh, and this would kind of go for everybody. But uh, you know, the National Comprehensive Cancer Network Guideline, the NCCN guidelines, are free. They do require uh, registration. Uh, and they're useful for a couple reasons. Uh, one, they give you, you know, basically, uh, you know, an algorithm of how diseases should be treated, how they're staged, things like that. Um, but they are not; they should not be considered, you know, the only way to treat a disease. Uh, they're not fully complete with, say, all the possible treatment regimens, uh, but they do give you a good overview of what, um, you know, how a certain disease should be treated. So they're they're useful to pull up. Um, you know, if you're seeing a patient in the hospital or in clinic and you're preparing for rounds or preparing for a day clinic and you're not really sure how the patient will be treated, then what I would do as a resident is go look at, say, NCCN, look at some other guidelines, figure out what are the maybe two or three most likely treatment plans, and then prepare in case those plans are going to be implemented with regards to how the chemo or the drug should be used. Does it require, say, dose adjustment for renal dysfunction if that patient has renal, renal dysfunction? You guys should know how to do that. Another nice thing about the NCCN guidelines is the discussion section serves basically as a, as a very nice review article uh, to kind of get a historical perspective on how things have been treated. And then it's very well referenced and there are links in the references so you can 
find, say, the citation for some landmark clinical trial very quickly uh, by using those guidelines. If, for instance, you want to find out how did they dose reduce the oxaliplatin in the, in the mosaic study for adjuvant colon cancer, you can find that pretty quickly using NCCN. You should also become very familiar with your drug information resources. Many of them, whether it's Lexicon, Micrometics, Hippocrates, whatever you might use, um, you know, there are differences from database to database, but you should familiarize yourself with the oncology specific uses of those databases and where to find that stuff. Much of the time, that information comes from the package insert for a drug. And just as a uh, kind of a disclaimer, I love package inserts, they're very long. <laughs> kind of not fun reading but very useful reading especially the warnings and precautions section uh, the package inserts um, give a good idea of for example when monitoring will be done what are the serious interactions those are the things you should be aware of when talking to a patient or talking to a physician um, the package inserts are a little bit different as time has gone on the newer drugs approved have much more information on metabolism pharmacogenetics pharmacogenomics on potential drug interactions. Um, the older drugs don't have that. Uh, the newer drugs uh, have very uh, well-established dose reduction criteria for toxicity. The older drugs don't necessarily have that. You should also know that, say, the dose reduction in uh, the irinotecan or capecitabine package insert might be specific to single agent use, not combined use with a regimen. For that, you'd have to go to, usually to the uh, original study. Uh, it's also really helpful to sign up for email table of contents for the New England Journal of Medicine, the Journal of Clinical Oncology, uh, JAMA Oncology, Lancet Oncology, Journal of Oncology Pharmacy Practice, Journal of Hematology Oncology Pharmacy, just to get an idea of what is the new information coming out. It's impossible to read all that stuff a week, uh, but what I do and what I learned to do and was trained to do during my residency was to get those table of contents just to see what was coming out, at least read the headlines. Uh, it's a good way to find journal club articles and topics for journal club for when you have to produce, per, um, present uh, journal clubs. You'll know what's been coming out, and doing that will benefit everyone. Uh, but part of the bread and butter, uh, there are maybe two things I would say are, are the, the bread and butter of your, uh, likely of your PGY2 program, are going to be patient care in your weekly topic discussion. So let's talk about the patient care first. Every patient you encounter is like a novel. It, there's a wealth of information you can learn from a patient. If it's a patient coming in for uh, to clinic for you know a three-year follow-up and they're on tamoxifen for breast cancer, go back and look at the original pathology. Go back and look at the staining of the ERPR, HER2. Uh, go back and look at how that patient was treated. Um, was were they treated appropriately? You'll come across patients who were treated with adjuvant CMF, and that should prompt a question, why did they get CMF as opposed to a more intensive chemotherapy? And you'll start to see uh, really the, the nuance in treating patients with cancer. And then talk to the patients and ask them their story. Ask them about uh, what went through their mind when they were, they were diagnosed. Ask them how they've, uh, what the hot flashes are like with tamoxifen or, or the, the muscle aches, your arthralgias, myalgias on tamoxifen or now you'll learn so much from talking to your patients and it will make you a better pharmacist in talking to other patients that are going through the same thing. Uh, you'll never ever be able to know what a sthenia or dysquasia is until talking to a patient and hearing him or her describe their experience uh, with, with cancer. Uh, and in, in going through these patients, focus, focus, focus on the chemo, 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 because as an oncology pharmacist, that needs to be uh, your expertise is known as much as you can uh, about the drugs used to treat this.
Okay, second bread and butter thing are gonna be these weekly topic discussions that I'm pretty sure every or most PGY2 programs do in the country. And the way they generally work is you kinda, you know, your program director probably will do something like create a list of 50 topics throughout the year. Uh, so week one might be anthracyclines. Week two might be um, anti-metabolic. Week three might be AML. Week three might be small cell lung cancer. Something like that, and it'll rotate whether or not the resident or one of the residents leads the topic discussion or a preceptor generally. But these are going to be very, very in-depth. Um, <clears throat> if you are like me, it will take you some time maybe not even until after you finish your residency, to really appreciate the depth at knowing that stuff. I know when I was a resident, I just wanted to know, all right, what do we do for this? Oh, right, AML, all right, this patient gets seven plus three. And that's all I wanted to know, and then I wanted to take care of the patient. I didn't really care about knowing things at a deeper level. And it's important to learn things at that deeper level because you're gonna come across patients in your career who need seven plus three, but have an ejection fraction of 23% and are not gonna be a candidate for an anthracycline. So what are we missing? By What, is, what are we uh, losing as far as efficacy by not being able to give an anthracycline? Or maybe the better scenario is an EF of like 40, 45%. Well, what's the benefit of the anthracycline? What's the risk? And how do you, how do you gauge that risk-benefit equation? That's where knowing the depth uh, and having that deep understanding is really important, and that's what you should be prepared for coming out of residency. Um, so learn from your preceptors uh, when they, you know, they're going to ask you question after question after question about the chemo and about uh, the historical perspective in treating these disease states. And it is important. So trust them with what, the, with what they're doing. Um, I know that as, as a trainee, I didn't really care so much about that historical perspective. And it's really big and important in oncology. And now it's something that's my favorite part about oncology, perhaps. But it took me a while to, to get to that point. Um, what else? What else can I say? PGY2. It's gonna be. It's gonna be fun. It should be fun. Uh, if you're like most folks going through a PGY1 residency, you know maybe you weren't so crazy about your nephrology rotation, or about your heart failure clinic rotation, or whatever it may be, because you were interested in oncology and knew that's what you wanted to do. I know I had a little bit of that in say May of my PGY1 year. Um, uh, but it's gonna be all oncology all the time as a PGY2, so it should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, hopefully this uh, podcast uh, will be part of uh, you staying current. Uh, Twitter, if used appropriately, can be helpful. Uh, plenary session podcast is great for learning how to evaluate primary literature. You should read as much primary literature as you can uh, with with regards to oncology. It's the only way you're going to figure out whether or not PFS is an appropriate endpoint for this disease state and this drug and this treatment or overall survival and how to how to figure out when this response rate is means something in, in this disease state or this setting. That's the only way that, that you're going to kind of come across that. Um, from, a, from a big picture goal, when you finish your PGY2, you should not think, I know how to take care of every single patient with cancer at a moment's notice. Um, most of my training during PGY2 was malignant uh, hematology. So I did, you know, I came in and did two months of uh, malignant heme, leukemia, lymphoma transplant, a month of uh, BMT clinic or transplant clinic two months of um, med medical oncology, which is mostly supportive care, and then um, PEDS, and then repeat. So the vast majority of my training was like bone marrow transplant, and that's, I don't do that anymore. I do mostly solid tumors. Uh, so when I, when I came out of residency, it was one of the first times that uh, in, 
when I started my, my big boy job, um, one of the first times I saw a patient on AC for breast cancer. One of the few times I saw a patient on Folfox for colon cancer. Uh, I hadn't seen that because I did mostly BMT. But uh, even though I didn't know everything about those disease states, those chemotherapy regimens at the depth that I do now or that I wanted to when I first started, uh, I wasn't daunted because I'd had really good training at teaching myself what I needed to know and, and thinking critically and answering those hard questions and knowing how to find the information in the primary literature. That's what you should get out of your PGY2. There's so many drugs and so many disease states and it's ever expanding. There are more cancers now than there were 10 and 20 years ago. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, there was not small cell lung cancer. Now, it really makes a difference if it's, ad, if it's squamous or non-squamous. It makes a difference if it's alk mutated or ROS1 rearranged or EGFR mutated. That makes it, that didn't matter 15 years ago. So there'll be more and more cancers to learn about, more and more drugs to learn about, and you can't do it in a year. But if you learn how to teach yourself, how to think critically, how to ask the right questions, you'll be able to do it uh, when you finish. And when you finish that PGY2, there will be a lot and a lot of job openings. If you want to be a breast cancer specialist, you can be a specialist. If you want to be kind of a jack of all trades in a community setting, uh, you can do that. You want to work in a specialty pharmacy, you can do that. You want to work for industry, you can do that. There'll be so many job openings. Um, and I'll, I'll end by saying this, that your co-residents and other people, uh, because you're doing oncology pharmacy, are going to think you're a lot smarter than you are. And you know what? That can just be our little secret. Thank you for listening to Oncofarm. Uh, next week, um, the next two weeks will be pre-recorded podcasts will be coming out. Won't be anything, anything new with with holidays and vacations. So the end of July, we'll get back catching up on any current events, anything new that's come out, new drugs, uh, landmark studies, things along uh, that standpoint. Thanks again for listening. Follow me on Twitter at FarmDeetNip. Follow the podcast at OncoFarmPod both on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Music. Uh, give us uh, a nice rating review. Tell us what you like about the podcast. Reach out to me uh, via email, social medias, on what you'd like to hear more of. Um, thanks for listening, and remember, doses matter. Doses matter.